Father, thank you, God, uh, just for the spirit of worship that's in this place. God, thank you so much uh, for the amazing talent that's displayed up here. God, and how they choose to use those talents to glorify the name of Jesus. God, we, uh, we so desperately, God, want you uh, to be represented in this place. God, that, that people would, would see Simple Church not as a church, but as a place of Jesus. A place where, where believers and non-believers come together to learn more about you and who you are. God, and to come to celebrate you through praise and worship. God, I pray that that's what they see when they see Simple Church. God, I know that we have friends and family that are, they don't have a relationship with Jesus. They don't know anything about the Bible. God, I pray that those people would come here. God, that they would not feel intimidated. They'd feel open to just come into this place and learn and understand more about who you are. God, and through that, I believe that they'll, as they understand more about who you are, God, they'll eventually come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, so place people in our lives, God, people in our path that we might be able to, to bring into this place. God, that we might be able to, to show the light of Jesus through our lives. Uh, God, that we might be able to bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus. God, we love you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll give you a few minutes to get seated. It's pretty cool having you guys all the way up here. Not like that. Oh. All right, so we have been in Romans, and we were going through Romans. We made it Romans chapter 8. And to be honest with you, I was really going to continue into Romans chapter 8 and finish out Romans chapter 8, but for whatever reason, I have to do what God has laid heavy on my heart, like I have to talk about whatever it is that, that, that is just weighing on me heavily at this moment in time, and, and God really, if you saw my Facebook post last night and, and at 2.30 this morning, you know where my heart was, and that is the fact that I, I'm very burdened by what I see in the Christian community. Okay, I'm going to put the quotes around Christian because there are people that call themselves Christians that really don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They say, I'm a follower of Christ, I love Christ, I've sacrificed everything, I'm willing to die to myself and follow Christ, but the evidence in their life is just there's no fruit there, they're not willing to, to put down stuff so they can follow Christ, they're not willing to surrender everything to him, so they're not really Christians. They try to tell themselves they are, so they feel better, so they feel like they're going to heaven, and I, I, I get why they do that, but they're not really Christians. And you may say, how do I know if I'm in that category or not? You have to examine yourself. Paul says you have to really look inside your heart, look at how your life matches up with Scripture, see if you're in alignment with the things that, that, that God desires for you and that there's a change happening in your life because Jesus Christ exists in your life. And that's how you know, okay? Uh, one of the things that I see, and, and this happens to be more prevalent in young adults, teenagers, college age, whatever you want to call them, ages 13 to 23, right? So that's that 10-year gap where, you know, your love life is just kind of crazy, right? Like you're trying to figure out what it means to be in a relationship, trying to figure out should I date, should I not date, how many people should I date, is it okay to date two at once, you know, all those kind of complicated questions. Why is it when I say that that like the guys laugh? I, I don't know why that is, but anyway, so... Uh, you're asking yourself all these questions, trying to figure stuff out about the whole dating world, right? And, and, and what does it mean to be in a relationship? And, and, and I just am, am burdened by what I see these days 
these days. What am I talking about? It's been this way forever. I don't know. I, I was talking to my buddy about this today at lunch, and I was like, so has it always been this way? Or he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, 30 years ago, was it this way? He's like, yeah, pretty much. You know, back in the 80s, it was pretty much the same way. What am I talking about specifically? The questions I asked on Facebook was this. In general terms, like what percentage of the time do you see a guy bringing a girl to church as opposed to the other way around? What percentage of the time is it that a guy says, why don't you come with me to church? Go where I worship. Go where, where I, I'm, I'm a member. Come with me. You don't really have a relationship with Jesus. That's obvious. You know, just come with me. See what church is all about. Versus having a girl say, hey, why don't you come with me? Why don't you go to my church? Why don't you check out this church thing? So the answer to that is, is a very small percentage, the number of guys that invite girls to church and they actually come, right? I mean, like, it's very, uh, it's very small. Everybody was guessing somewhere less than 15%, pretty much what everybody guessed. Less than 15% of the time, the guy's the one that brings a girl to church. Now, the rest of the time, it's probably the girl brings the guy to church, right? If he's unchurched, doesn't have a church, if he's got a church, if he's a minister to another church, he just follows the girl, right? So that, that's, what I, <laughs> that's, what, uh, that's what my buddy said. A guy, I said he, he said, he said, Kenny, he said, a guy will follow a girl anywhere, even if it's to church, you know, like that's the reason. I mean, he'll like, oh, yeah, where are we going? Church, okay. Jesus, who's that? Oh, all right, yeah, that's cool. Where? Yeah, let's go. I'm in. Yeah. Is that where you're going to be? Like, yeah, that's where I'm going to be. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm in then, you know. Everybody's laughing because you know I'm telling the truth, you know. I can't tell you how many times, uh, being in youth ministry especially, I would see like, uh, <laughs> ladies, you are manipulative, by the way. But anyway, uh, there would be like the, the, the real pretty girls would always like bring a guy to church, you know, like, like they would be like, hey, you know, especially people that, that were really in, in, in love with church and in love with Jesus, and they would be like, hey, why don't you come to church? Why don't you and your buddy come to church with me tonight? And guys would always fall for it. They're always like, uh-huh, yep, I will, you know, and so they, <laughs> so my, the guy that was kind of my, uh, mentor, if you will, when I was first starting a youth ministry, we, we talked about how there seemed to be a plethora of pretty girls in the senior high ministry for whatever reason. We, you know, and I was like, he was like, so that's one way to grow a ministry, right? So you can just have lots of pretty girls there and naturally it grows. It's amazing how that works, you know? It's not real complicated. It's actually pretty simple. He was like, yeah, it's amazing how that works. I mean, all you got to do is get the girls there and all of a sudden the guys just show up, you know, like it grows proportionally for some reason. It's, it's pretty interesting. Um, but the other question I asked is this uh, on Facebook, and this is about 2.30 this morning because I can't sleep and I'm insane. But um, the question I asked was, how often do you see somebody get into a relationship, somebody that, that, that's a, a, a faithful attender at church, like somebody that's constantly there, just very consistent in their attendance to church, and then they get in relationship this could be a guy with a girl, a girl with a guy, whatever. I'm not trying to say one way or the other, but you see them like they they get in a new relationship, and all of a sudden, like, where'd they go? What, what happened? I, I thought, you know, you were in on this whole Jesus thing. I thought you were you were right there and trying to grow in your relationship with God, and 
and, and you, you were growing. I mean, stuff was happening in your life. You know, you were leading people to Christ. You were, you know, having people come with you to church. They were getting led to Christ. And then all of a sudden, you get in a relationship with somebody, and then you're gone. You just kind of disappear, slip out, nowhere to be found. Pastors always like to say the IRS can't even find you or the CIA can't even find you, you know. That's, that's what happens sometimes. And I just, like, I've seen it. And you say, well, that's an isolated incident. No, man, I, I've been in ministry a long time. I've seen it so many times. So, so many times. I will admit it, it happens to be more, more prevalent with girls. So they'll get in a relationship with a guy. The guy's not really churched. And he's like, hey, you know, this whole Jesus thing, I don't really know about that. And then before you know it, the girl's like, ah, I don't know, I don't, really, I, I don't really fit in at church, I don't really belong there, blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever reason you can make up to not be there. And all of a sudden, she, she's gone, she kind of disappears. Man, I've seen it so many times. It, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's rampant, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you would think that the people who are so connected with Christ, like nothing would affect that, except a guy sometimes. And, and sometimes it's a girl that draws a guy away from church. Um, it's really sad to see. It really is. And it's really heartbreaking to see that. And it's not isolated to just young adults and teenagers and that sort of thing. It happens to adults too. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit less prevalent in adults because you don't have as many single adults in the church typically. So, you know, it's a little bit harder to see, but sometimes it does happen. It does happen. So what are we going to do? What are we talking about, Kenny? Well, we're in a series we're going to call Yoked. So here's what we're going to talk about. I've got to explain what the word yoked means, right? So in the Bible, you, you like to hear this thing, uh, that you're not to be unequally yoked. And, and, and really, the, the idea here is like, <laughs> I know everybody likes to hear this. It's like two oxen, you know. You think about you and your person you're dating or your spouse or whatever. It's you and a, you are two oxen. But anyway, so you got that big thing around your neck. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it kind of sits on their shoulders, you know, and they use it to pull a plow or something. And, and, and that's the idea behind being yoked because that thing that goes around their necks is called a yoke. So if you're yoked together, you both have that big thing around your big heavy thing around your neck, the old ball. Oh, there we go. Okay. So anyway, so you have this thing around your neck, which is a great image for marriage, right? So, but anyway, you have this thing around your neck, and you're both going in the same direction, and you're both plowing together, working together, trying to accomplish a similar goal. You're together, right? You can't go, you can't decide, I'm going to go this way, you're going to go that way, and we'll be good. You're together. You're, you're physically hooked together. So that's what a lot of people say in church is talking about being yoked together. That's because it's in 1 Corinthians. It talks about not being unequally yoked with an unbeliever. We can talk about that as time goes on in this series. We'll probably really address that more. But I want to take some time to just go through and look at different couples in the Bible and look and see their struggles, some of them. The fact that these are just ordinary people like you and I, and, and, and we're going to look at, at some of the, the things that they did, the, the things that they struggled with, some of the, the typical couple problems, right? Some of the, the tension that exists with being yoked together, with being together. You know, what do they struggle with? What do they deal with? You know, and where are they in their faith? And how is their faith affected by some of the stuff that happens? And we're going to talk about different couples throughout the Bible, and we're going to call the series yoked now you may accuse me of this and that's perfectly fine if you do but Kenny you're just trying to get people in here and yeah that may be partially true okay if you tell people you're gonna be talking about dating and relationships typically 
People want to know about that, and they start coming, and they start, you know, more people start to come in. I was told once before that if you really want to draw a crowd, you can either talk about sex or the end times, and if you really, really want to draw a crowd, you need to talk about sex in the end times, and then you'll have a bunch of people coming to your church. So I, I know that people may accuse me of doing that a little bit, and that's fine, but I can tell you that this is really heavy on my heart, and I also believe, I really do, I, I'll believe that You'll be able to talk to your friends and say, hey, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about the struggles in relationships. You should come and hear this because you, you need to just listen to what God's word says about it. And, and some people that are in the Bible that are, are really, you know, they're, they're ordinary people in a lot of ways. They really are. I mean, we always have this, this elevated view of everybody in the Bible. Oh, man, they're so awesome. They're so holy, whatever, you know. And a lot of times they're just ordinary folks like you and me, and they screw up a lot and all that kind of stuff. And it's just the reality of the fact that they're people, Right? They're just people. Now, what's funny is the first place that we're going to start is we're going to start talking about Mary and Joseph. Um, now, I think that's pretty funny because, you know, this is like the mother of God, you know. So she's the mother of Jesus, and everybody immediately kind of puts her up on a higher level. And that's probably rightfully so. If we look at how she responds to what happens, you look at how Joseph responds to what happens, you can almost say, you know what? These are pretty good folks. Maybe they are a little more uh, on the righteous side than what I am. And that may be the case, but they're still human. They're still people. You still have the same opportunity to be uh, a person that pursues righteousness just like Mary does or Joseph does. You have that same opportunity, but they're just people like you and I. All right, so enough with all that introduction. What was that, like a 20-minute introduction or something? I'm so short-winded. We're actually going to be in, in, in Matthew chapter, chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. Oh, good. So that's a good way to start, right? In case you were wondering what we're talking about, this is how Jesus came into the world. Everybody knows who Jesus is. I'm going to start there. Jesus, the Son of God. I'm going to talk about how he was conceived and how he was born and what was going on with Mary and Joseph and how they fit into that picture and the fact that they were engaged, which is what the next verse says. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, so we got Mary and Joseph are engaged. Uh, a lot of times you hear in really churchy environments, in, in the King James Version, you'll hear the word betrothed. She was betrothed to Joseph. What does that mean? She was engaged uh, now, engagement in early Jewish times is a little bit different than it is now. So like betrothed at that point in time meant that there was literally a contract written up between the bride's parents and, and the groom's parents. And it was like a binding agreement almost. Like it was serious. It ain't like she just got an expensive ring, okay? This is, that's not what it is. I mean, now... An expensive ring is a financial investment, and the guys are going, well, if it don't work out, hopefully she'll give me the ring back. You know what I mean? Like, but this was a serious deal. This was really serious. This isn't like, oh, she might give the ring back, she might not. What's the risk of that? Let me calculate the financial impact on my wallet, blah, blah, blah. This, this was like, if, if you broke off the engagement, which was about 12 months, possibly 18, depending, you know, it could be somewhere in that range. But if you broke it off, it was almost like you had to get a divorce, it was like you had to, to do some official things to, like, to, to separate you two because you were actually yoked at that point in time uh, during the engagement period. You were, you were like 
this is what I'm going to do. This is, this is who I'm committed to, and there's no two ways about it. This is the person that I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. So it was a big deal when they got engaged, right? It was, it was more like, you know, the, the wedding ceremony was kind of like at the tail end of that. It's just like a final celebration to say, okay, here, it's finally done. The betrothal period, the engagement period was really like the start of their marriage almost. So that's why you'll see in here the words husband and wife used. When talking about Mary and Joseph is because it was so serious that they were looked on as husband and wife at that point in time once they were during the engagement time. And, and guys are like, man, I don't know if I'd be so quick to jump into that. You know, if it was like a binding agreement and there's contracts written up and all this kind of stuff, guys are like, oh, I don't know about that. But that's the way it was in early Jewish times uh, is that uh, there was a betrothal period, 12 to 18 months. And it says what happened in the middle of this, but before the marriage, before it was like official, before anything physical happened between husband and wife, uh-oh, <laughs> It wasn't an uh-oh, though, because this is Jesus, so it's not like a big uh-oh. This is a good uh-oh, but to them, it must have been like, uh-oh. You know, to Joseph, I imagine he was like, uh-oh. But what happened was, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can read about this in Luke chapter 2, as a matter of fact. You can read about how, how like, she was told, like, you're going to conceive of the Holy Spirit, that there's going to be a baby placed in you by the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this a big deal, you know? Uh, you know how we like to say in church a lot of times that, that God is fully man and fully God all at the same time? You're like, how does that work? How can you be 100% this and 100% that? Well, let, let me show you this, okay? So Mary is flesh and blood. She's a human being, right? And, and she's conceived not by a man, but by the Holy Spirit, fully God. So you had to have the combination of the flesh and the Holy Spirit, the flesh and God, in order to be able to have fully man and fully God at the same time. Right? That's the only way it would have worked. That's the only way that he could exist in flesh but still have power over the flesh by being God. We talked about power of the flesh uh, last week, and that is through the Spirit, right? Well, he had... The Holy, conceived of the Holy Spirit, he had the power of God that existed within him because he was fully God and fully man. He had power over the flesh so he could not sin. So it's confusing at best, but it's the way that it happened. And, and poor Joseph. I mean, do you not feel for the guy? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, like, they're engaged. There's this big contract being signed, and, like, there, there's, there's money being exchanged and, like, dowries and, and all this kind of stuff, and... and and things are being set up, and then all of a sudden, she's pregnant. And you know Joseph must have been like, oh, man, what are we going to do? This ain't good. You know, I, I, like, they're young, so they're in their teens, probably early teens. Some of them got married as young as, like, 12 years old. I know that's, like, crazy. But anyway, so they got married really young. And even though Joseph was pretty young, he still knew how babies came into the world, and he was still like, well, I know how this happened. Right? And Joseph is going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Mary has been told she's going to have a baby that's going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit. But here Joseph's got to get on the same page. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So it literally says that he was a, a, a man who pursued righteousness. It's a man who, who really 
you know, trusted God, had faith in God, had a strong faith. And here he's in this awkward situation, right? He, he, he's got to be struggling on some level. How is this happening? God, why have you kind of let me down in this? You know, I thought that, that if I was faithful to you, that things would work out good, that this would be the, the woman of my dreams, that things would be great from the very get-go. And here we are. We're just into the engagement period, and things ain't working out so good. Now, human beings... We run into struggles in relationships, don't we? We run into some unexpected stuff. We run into some things where we go, well, hang on a second. I thought if I was faithful to God that I wouldn't have any trouble at all finding the right person, the right boy, the right girl, the right man, the right woman. I thought that God would work out all those details and there wouldn't be any struggle there. Reality is sometimes there is a struggle there. Sometimes it ain't all wrapped up with a pretty bow. It ain't, it ain't got nice, neat wrapping paper on it. But I want you to see something about, about Joseph here. He was a good man, pursued righteousness. But he recognized what the law said. He knew what the law said about a woman that's, that's found to be with child and not be married. And that is in Deuteronomy chapter 22. You can go read it about, about it yourself. But that she was supposed to be brought in front of her house and stoned to death by the men in the, in the, in the community. That that's what was supposed to happen to her. You know what? But Joseph, Joseph was trying to not have this happen to Mary. I think that he knew, he, he, he knew that, that, that he loved her. You know what I mean? I think that, that he, he cared about her. I think by evidence of him doing this, if he's a faithful man of God and knew what the law says, and he doesn't really want to do that, I think this is evidence of how he felt about her. And even in spite of the fact that she, she may have gone against him in, in this whole betrothal period and gone the other direction and tried to separate herself, at least that's what he's thinking in his mind, he's still like trying to show her grace, right? He's still trying to be gentle towards her. He's trying to make sure that she doesn't die. So he wants to do it quietly, just in the background. But he knows that he's got, he's got to break off the engagement. He knows there's got to be a separation there. But he doesn't want anything bad to happen to her. I think, man, this is the, the human element of relationships sometimes. You know, you, 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 you know that there's got to be a break there. You know that there's got to be a separation. It's time to move on. It's time to go a different direction. But you don't want anything bad to happen to that person, right? Especially if it's somebody you've been going to church with for a while. Boy, that's where it really gets complicated, don't it? Like both of y'all going to church and you met, maybe you met at church and then, then all of a sudden things don't work out and like I got to stand by them at church and do I go to another church now because I don't want to stand by them at church. I don't want to look at them every Sunday and Wednesday. You know, what exactly do I do in this situation? Well, I think the evidence is what they did and what I think is what we're supposed to do is remain faithful to God. You know what I think about where you should go to church? This, this is going to sound crazy. You know where I think you should go to church? Where God calls you to go to church. Profound, right? Everybody's going, this really is simple church. Where should I go to church, Kenny? Where God calls you to go to church. Where should I worship the Lord Jesus? Where should I grow in my relationship with Christ? Where God calls you to grow, where God calls you to worship, where God calls you to serve. That's where you're supposed to go. 
Well, what if my girlfriend or boyfriend doesn't go there? Well, what if my boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't go to that church? What if they go to another church? That's my answer. So, my answer is go where God wants you to go. But you don't see that, do you? That's not, that's not what, what culture does today, and everybody's like, oh, Kenny, I can't believe you're saying this. I thought you just told me to bring somebody to church. I did. I did. And once they grow in their, their understanding of who God is and who Jesus is, they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, then they should pray about where God wants them to be. As they start to understand more about who God is, then they should really seek God and say, God, where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to serve? And you're like, well, Kenny, that may send people away from here. That's okay. I want them to be where God wants them to be, not where Kenny wants them to be. I believe, I believe Mary and Joseph are people that seek God and they, they have grace towards one another and this is evidence of his grace towards her and he cares about her, but he wants her to be okay, right? He wants her to be okay. You know how you can guarantee you'll be okay if you and your boyfriend, girlfriend go to church together? Seek God and go where God wants you to be, and then you'll be okay regardless of if that boyfriend or girlfriend goes there. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Man, I tell you stuff that you already know all the time, don't I? That's kind of the benefits of being up here is I get to like say stuff you already know, and then you're like, man, that is good. And I'm like, yeah, but you already knew it. You just didn't want to say it out loud. I get to say out loud what you're thinking. You know where you should go to church? Where God wants you to go to church. What if my boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't go there? My answer is still, you know, <laughs> so. You got to love God more than you love your girlfriend or boyfriend. Reality. Anyway, a little bit different story when you get married. You got to make that decision jointly. I don't think you should go different places if you're married, but we're addressing mostly girlfriend-boyfriend relationships here. So, anyway, wanted to break it off quietly. Trying to show her grace. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. You know the dude's going like, finally, thank you, Lord. She's telling me she's conceived of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like struggling with that because like that's never happened before, right? Never in the history of the world as we had a woman conceiving of a child of the Holy Spirit. Now, we got some prophets that said it was going to happen one day. How do I know this is the right chick? You know what I'm saying? Like he's got to be struggling with How do you know she's the one that the prophets were talking about that was going to be a virgin? She was going to have a baby, conceive the Holy Spirit. How do we know it's her? Maybe she's just making that up to cover up something, right? Finally, the dude has a dream, and he's like, thank you, Lord, for the dream. I don't believe this is like a, you know, he's not like taking a nap and, and like, you know, under a tree, and then he like dreams some stuff. and all. I think this is more like, a vision where he can, he can see the Lord. The Lord is, is speaking to him, and, and he's, he's, he, he's, he's really focused, I'm sure, right here on what God's saying to him. Appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David, reiterating that, that Jesus was going to come from the bloodline of David to show that he was king. So that's very important, that, that Jesus, over and over again, came from a bloodline of a king, and that's why it says that, J Joseph, son of David, to point out that he was a, a descendant of David, not literally his son, a descendant of David. The angel said, do not be afraid. <laughs> Every time, the angels always say that, do not be afraid. Uh, this time, the dude is like, he's afraid, not because of the angel, but because of the situation he's in. He's quaking in his boots because he is like the... 
the, the girl has got a baby inside of her, and I don't know what to do, and we should, like, break this off. I don't even know how to do it. But he says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Okay, now he's like, all right, got to finish that sentence because I need some more than you just telling me not to be afraid. He says, for the child within her is conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know he must have breathed a big sigh of relief right there. You know, like he's talking to the Lord, and the Lord says, don't be afraid. Uh, the, he's, saying, he's saying, like, look, she's telling the truth. She really has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and he's trying to say, hey, the only way this is going to work, the only way that, that this is really going to work out, and you gotta, you got you to gotta stick with me through this. The only way this is going to work out is if you go ahead and you marry her like you'd planned on doing. This wasn't an accident. This was God's plan. It may have looked like something was going awry here, but in truth, God had his hand on you the whole time. That's why I tell people, man, you want to get married, you want to have kids, you want to buy the right house. Why don't you seek God and why don't you be faithful in your attendance to church if you want to know where I should go to college, what my major should be, what I want to do with the rest of my life, why don't you just stay faithful in your, your commitment to the Lord? Like, do you really want to be separated from Him off doing your own thing when you're trying to make some of the biggest decisions of your life? Do you really want to be outside of church when you're trying to figure out who's the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with? Who's the person I'm going to have kids with? How many kids am I going to have? Where am I going to live? What's my career going to look like? Do you really want to be separated from God, not tuned into the Holy Spirit of God while you're trying to make these forever decisions in your life? Really? They don't even make good sense to me. They didn't even register with me. In your small groups, you're going to read uh, Mary and her, her prayer her prayer and what she says when she's been told that she's going to have a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see her desire to be faithful to God. Her, the strength of her faith that immediately once she's told that this is going to happen, she just rejoices and sings praises, a song of praise to the Lord as a result. And here we see Joseph having this conversation with an angel of the Lord immediately I mean, he's, he's got to be feeling this, this sense of relief. And he says, he says you're going to name him Jesus. He's like, okay, I don't even have to name the kid. It's already got a name. That's good. Like, I, that's cool. Like, I don't even have to come up with a name. We don't have to have that fight in our household. What's he going to be named? Is it going to be Joseph? Is it going to be David? Like, what's the name? He's going to be Jesus. All right, good. We got that one covered. Like, we went through the list of most popular baby names and 0000, you know, and he was on there, Jesus. Like, that's going to be his name. You guys, you don't pick up on this stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Greg, for picking up on Anyway, uh, let's go on to the next verse, verse 22. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, so the, the prophet, he's like, he's like reminded of Isaiah, and Isaiah said this. This is what it's gonna ha how it's going to happen. It's going to be God walking around on the earth with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Why? Because he was faithful to God. He was, he was, he was faithful to God. Even in the midst of things not working out exactly like maybe he planned on them working out, he was faithful to God. 
He, he had confirmation through the angel of the Lord that, 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 that this is what God's plan for him. Now, he couldn't do that if he wasn't a man that was seeking after the Lord to begin with. You want to find the right girl, you want to find the right guy, seek the Lord. That's, that's the message. You know what I mean? Like, you want to know God's plan for your life, you want to know how it's going to all work out in the end, and is it going to be good, and is it going to work out like it's supposed to? Seek the Lord. You want to know where you're supposed to go to church? Seek the Lord. Be faithful to the Lord. Be consistent in church attendance. And I don't say that so you'll come in here. I say that because it matters. That even when you don't feel like coming to church, you just come anyway because there's a chance that God's going to have the opportunity to say something to you that you need to hear at that exact moment and that the enemy has been trying to distract you from coming so you don't hear that. And the reality is the thing you need to be doing most is just seeking the Lord and being faithful to the Lord and just pursuing God. That's not the way society rolls right now, is it? The whole church on Wednesday thing, man, that's, that's, like, that's like out the window. That's, that's old school. That's what people used to do like 10, 15, 20 years ago, man. They would go to, to prayer meeting on Wednesday. That's what they like to call it, right? They'd go to prayer meeting on Wednesday. That's what old folks used to do, man. I got too much homework. I got too much this. I got too much that. I'm like, seek the Lord. You're really struggling with what you're supposed to do with your life and, and how it's supposed to work out in school and work and all that stuff, and you don't come to church on Wednesdays. And I'm just like, how, how are you ever going to figure it out, man? How are you ever going to give the Holy Spirit a chance to speak to you and show you direction for your life, show you what's really important to your life if you're not seeking God? It worked out for Joseph, didn't it? It worked out for Mary. She was the mother of the living God. You know why? They were faithful. They had a strong faith. They were committed to serving the Lord. They were committed to, to, to pursuing righteousness. And we even go on to see that a little bit here by what, what Joseph does. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. What's the big deal there, Kenny? He could have taken advantage of the situation, couldn't he? Nobody's going to know. We could take this relationship to the next level. We could go on and, and, and step into that physical realm together because nobody's going to know. She's already pregnant. Nobody's ever going to know. It's a testimony to who Joseph was right here. He says, no. I'm going to pursue righteousness. I'm going to keep pursuing righteousness. Even though it would be easy to cover up, I'm going to continue to do it. I'm going to continue to pursue God. I'm going to continue to pursue righteousness because this is how God would have it. And what else did he do? He did exactly as the angel of the Lord told him. He named him Jesus. You know why? Because that's what God told him to do. You want to know what, what you're supposed to do in your relationships, your church attendance? You're supposed to do what God wants you to do. Profound, right? Turned out to be pretty profound for Joseph and Mary. Turned out to be the most profound thing that's ever happened in human history. Why is it we sell ourselves short and like, well, God's not really doing anything in me. Why am I going to seek God? Why am I going to continue to do these things that honor God? God's not really got a big plan for me. Joseph and Mary never could even comprehend the plan that God had for them. 
They showed up one day and things weren't working out so well and, and the angel of the Lord comes and starts speaking to them. They're like, wow. So this seeking the Lord thing is finally paying off. It's actually, it, 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 God's got this plan that he's revealing to us now. They didn't know that before when they were still being just faithful to the Lord leading up to this event. They, you know what? People, people want to want to say, you know, I, they, they love to quote, I know the plans I have for you, their hope and a future, and they love to quote Bible verses around that, and it's taken out of context all the time. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. God does have a plan for you. He's got a great plan for you. It may not be the way that you think that it is. You know, it may not be wrapped up with a nice pretty bow and a nice pretty wrapper, but he does have a plan for you. And if you're faithful to the Lord, if you continue to seek the Lord, you'll be able to, to find his will. You'll be able to, to find out the things that God has in store for you. And it will be life-changing. It will be life-changing not just for you, but for your family, your friends, and all the people around you. That's how the gospel works. That is the gospel. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much. Lord, for your son Jesus that was brought into the world through a virgin. God, this was your plan from the beginning, that he'd be fully man and fully God all at the same time. And God, you kept your promise. You did exactly that. Joseph and Mary didn't recognize that. God, they didn't know that initially. As you continue to reveal things to them, God, they just continued to stay faithful. Lord, I know that that's not the, the way these days. That's not what young adults do. They don't continue to pursue righteousness and be faithful to the Lord because that's old and that's outdated. Lord, but I believe that that is the only way. Now, that is the only way that we're supposed to find our will for, for our lives. Your will for our lives, God, is but continuing to seek your will, continuing to seek your face. I just pray that the young adults in this place and maybe even the adults that, that are just struggling with, with continuing in their faithful pursuit of you. God, I pray that they would just surrender everything to you, come faithfully to you and say, God, I need you to help me remain faithful. God, help me in my weakness and in my weak faith. God, I just need you to remind me to come and to be close to you every single day of my life. Lord, if there's anybody like that, they're, they're just struggling right now. God, they, they, don't, they don't see your bigger plan, God, because they're only focused on the here and now. God, may you just open their eyes. God, and may they just be faithful to your promises. God, it's all about you, and it always has been. God, forgive us for making, us, making it all about us. God, this is your time. It belongs to you. God, may we surrender fully to you and be faithful to you in this time. God, be glorified now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would everyone please stand?